Welcome. Welcome to Church of the Beatitudes, Beatitudes Radio, presenting to you a live worship podcast. This is brand new, Janelle. We've never done this before. Sure we have. No, no, no. I mean, as far as a worship uh, no, we have not. Well, done worship that. podcast. Right. It's and exciting. It is. And the reason why we're doing it is because we wanted to create a worship experience that it would allow individuals to actually engage. I think one of the frustrations I have as someone who has to preach uh, every week is you don't get a lot of feedback. Um, other than people standing at the door, kind of shaking your hand, going, nice job. Or, you mm -hmm. know, very rarely do they say lousy job. You do get emails every once in a while. Yeah, and sometimes they do say lousy job on the emails, but <laughs> can't blame them. I mean, no. sometimes they were lousy. Yeah, you got to be put in your place. Yeah, I do. And so, uh, for those of you, this is your first time uh, being exposed to anything coming from Church of the Beatitudes. My name is Tony Minier. I'm the lead pastor here, and I am joined by Janelle Taphorn, who does everything. And basically, her main priority, however... <laughs> is keeping me in line. It's a big job. It is. And so <laughs> we're also welcoming Brett. Glad that you are here with us, and he will be providing our music for us. And so today what we're going to try to do is talk a little bit about doing things different, doing things new. Mm. Um, our founding minister, uh, Dr. Bill Nelson, he kept talking about over and over in his sermons as well as the conversations I was able to have with him over the last four years. He kept talking about we need to look back, but when we look back, we realize that those in the past were always looking to the future. Mm -hmm. And so he kept saying, let's not get caught up in always looking back and doing the same thing over and over. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're trying this new. This is something that is giving individuals an opportunity to immediately dialogue with us. And Janelle, That's how right. in the world are they able to do that? If they have a comment or a question oh, that they would like to share, how, how, do, so how does simple. that happen? It's totally simple. Well, please explain it to us. The best way is to grab your cell phone, open your message app, and text to the number 480-389-4975. Any comment that comes into your brain, any question, and I will be watching, and I will uh, tell you what those questions and comments are so you can comment on them. Fantastic. And then what about if they don't choose to use their cell oh, phone? What other ways do they there's have? There's another way. You can also go to Facebook, and if you see down in the comment area, you can share with us your comments and questions there. You can also do it on our YouTube channel, so wherever you're watching... Please chime in. We'd love to hear from you. And so we are trying to make this as interactive as possible. That's right. So Janelle, what reading have you chosen for us today that ties into our theme? <laughs> well, it's actually two parts. Okay. And one is from the Old Testament, so we're looking back. Uh -huh. And the other is from the New, which is looking forward to the future. Yes. And the first one comes to us from Isaiah 56, uh, verse 7. And it goes like this. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. 
for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Okay. And the second is from Mark, and it goes like this. And he taught them. He said, it is not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you have made it a den of robbers. Wow. So you actually have Jesus quoting from that Old Testament passage. Right. Yeah. Something exciting. Yeah. And so for you to have the opportunity to reflect on these readings, kind of get comfortable, maybe top off your coffee, um, and create just a sense of spirit, a sense of uh, centering um, and being aware of the divine. Uh, Brett, please help us do that. I don't like shopping, especially clothes shopping. I, it's not one of my favorites. And so when the opportunity arose to do more and more shopping online, I was like, oh, yes, I'm all for that. So what ended up happening, though, is I would go and I would find something that I really liked online, and then I would order it. And I, I can wear anything from a large to an extra large. But it's almost like always doing like a crapshoot, wondering what, what is the right one. Sometimes the extra large is too big. Sometimes the large is too small. And it's just, it's basically wondering what it is I'm going to end up with. However, it's actually sometimes worth it because I don't have to go out, especially in COVID, I don't have to go out to a store, look through all this stuff, try them on. And I've realized that it's advantageous for those who are selling me their clothes. Because as long as they have these categories, they only really have to stock so much, small, medium, and large, and extra large. Well, a recent phenomena that is taking place in the area of clothing is one size fits all. Now that's interesting to me, one size fits all. Normally I always thought one size fits all was it was purely about 
your hat. You know, I, I mean, I used to, you know, those things you could adjust in the back, one size fits all. And then I don't wear them, but earrings. Pretty much if you get a hole in your ear, I guess you just put the same thing in there and you don't have different sizes of earrings. And again, another one that never affects me, but hair scrunchies, the same thing. They don't, they don't have to worry about it. They're, it is one size fits all. But when it comes to clothing, that's a whole nother issue because all of us have different body types. And so what these companies are doing are essentially forcing their ideal body type on customers. Now, it can end up being hurtful, this whole idea of one size fits all, to one's own self of how they see themselves and their body image. You see, the clothing doesn't necessarily, what happens if it doesn't necessarily look right or even the remote chance that they say one size fits all and it doesn't fit you. That can really affect your sense of self-confidence and your body image. But the reality is this one size fits all is something that has been taking place for some time in many different areas, it, not necessarily just in clothing. One area that we see it is in Christianity. Christianity, along with other religions, can often be a one-size-fits-all. Truth is truth. You either accept it or you reject it. It's all about conformity. And conformity arises from a sense of certainty, because we do want a sense of certainty, especially if you believe that having the right answer and the right belief system, that there's a lot riding on it, perhaps even some people believe your eternal life rides on it, then you do want certainty. You do want answers in life. And that creates this sense of conformity. And if I, as long as I conform, eh, everything's good. However, it's not that easy. From the very beginning, after Jesus was no longer here on this earth, people struggled to figure out who he was. I mean, they, they knew he was a human being. They could those that were alive when he was, they could touch him, they could feel him. But beyond that, after he died, there, there was this perception of, of not knowing for sure what was going on. So somehow, they believed that Jesus was unique. And their idea of God, they saw in Jesus. It's almost as if he became transparent to them. That God was seen through Jesus. But again, understand that that is very, very broad. And so for the next 300 years, they did argued a lot about what that implied, what that meant. And it was during this time that there was actually a great deal of enthusiasm as they would discuss. They were curious. What, if, what, if, what did Jesus, what if, who was he? And how does that tie into God. The problem is, about 350 years later, when Christianity linked in with the Roman Empire, they realized that to have success, they needed conformity. And so they went back, instead of allowing diversity, it was under Caesar that they decided that it would be better if one size fits all. Create a sense of cohesion, a sense of unity. And so they came, and they met in a little town named Nicaea. And it was there in the 4th century that they created the Nicene Creed. And from that moment on, 
The goal was unambiguous. One size fits all. It was no longer about exploring, no, idea, no longer about asking questions or having doubts. It was purely about obedience. And so from about 350 to 1500, during this period of time, one size when it came to Christianity literally was to fit everyone. Then along comes Martin Luther and the Reformation. And you would think, ah, finally, we're going to expand it. We're going to have some variety in here again. And it didn't happen. Because the Reformers, instead of just talking about the life of Jesus, instead of considering was he, how was he born, did he, did he, when he died, did he really die? Or and if he didn't, what does that look like? What does that mean to us? The Reformers actually doubled down on this sense of being right, of being uniform, of one-size-fits-all, except now they emphasize the Bible as that. For them, the truth equals truth, and the truth is found in the Bible. And so they came up with a way of reading it so that everything would make sense and be united. Well, over the, since 1500, we have experienced all sorts, of, all sorts of faith and mental gymnastics to try to make everything agree. If you, don't, if you believe that the Bible has no errors in it, it's infallible, it has all truth, then you've got to continue to figure out how you're going to make the Bible always say the same thing. And again, the trap is one size fits all. As long as we can keep everyone on the same page, going in the same direction, then we have this false sense of security. So how could it be for us today to not fall into this trap of one size fits all? Perhaps as you're listening to this, you have had questions, you've had doubts, and you're wondering, is it something wrong with me? Should I be asking these questions? One size isn't necessarily fitting you well anymore. So I want to offer you three ways in which you might be able to avoid, all of us avoid, falling into the trap of one size fits all. Number one, curiosity. Allow doubts and questions. Jesus one time insisted, he said, you must become childlike to see God's kingdom. I don't think... When Jesus said that, he meant that they had to be obedient. I mean, I raised two daughters, and <laughs> they were not always obedient, I can tell you that. But there was two features that they had in their lives that remained pretty constant and still remains constant as adults, and that is curiosity and wonder. Children love to, to explore, to see things for the first time, I even remember one time giving our, our oldest daughter when she was about one years old, giving her a strawberry for the first time. What an amazing experience to watch her have this new wonder of taste in her mouth. I think when Jesus said that you must become childlike to see God's kingdom, I want to think that he had in mind that we needed to be curious. We would not only need to be curious then about the Bible, about God, about science, but we also need to be curious about the human experience, what it means to be human. 
what it means to be live in the 21st century in the midst of a pandemic. We need to be curious on why certain people react the way they do. But see, in the medieval tradition, it was surrounded and they didn't like this idea of freedom because security was the most important thing. Unfortunately, we're seeing more and more of that today. So if the first one is curiosity, what's the second? I would offer to you that the second one is a diversity and appreciation for diversity. Not just a tolerance, but actual appreciation for diversity. One writer says the following, no religious faith reflects the spirit of Jesus, which presumes it alone has all the truth. That's pretty amazing. And then the text that was read for us earlier, that comes originally from the Old Testament and then is said by Jesus as he repeats him, this individual from the Old Testament, he says, my house shall be called the house of prayer for all people. Hear that? All people. Not just one particular group, not just your community. Jesus envisioned a sense of diversity so that it was all kinds of people, all kinds of beliefs, all kinds of tradition. You know, a lot of people say that the United States is a Christian nation. Agree or disagree, it's out there. But if we do want to take our time to look back at some of our early founding fathers. One of them, Benjamin Franklin, was very much about religious freedom. For a while, Benjamin Franklin lived in Boston, and he grew tired of the religious intolerance. So he moved to Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. And he found himself surrounded by Lutherans, Moravians, Quakers, and Jews, as well as, <laughs> yep, Calvinists. But you see, Ben Franklin didn't subscribe to any one religious sect. He simply, he simply believed in God, believed in living a virtuous life, serving the country he loved, and hoped to achieve salvation someday through good works. He believed in that so much that he even built a new hall in Philadelphia expressly for the use of, and I'm quoting, any preacher, any preacher of any religious persuasion who might desire to say something. That's one of our founding fathers. That's something we need to remember right now in the 21st century in the middle of a pandemic and in the middle of, I mean, the beginning of a new president's tenure. That's what we want, is diversity and a valuing the appreciation of diversity, not only in the political realm, but in the spiritual realm. But unfortunately, we continue not to learn this lesson. Look at the way the Muslims continue to be treated here in the United States. One size does not fit all. So, what's the third one? Third one deals with you and I personally. It's about understanding why we react the way that we do when someone doesn't agree with us. Why is it? 
Why do we become defensive? Why do we want to belittle other people? Why do we want this feeling of superiority? superiority? Think about that. That's where we really learned about ourselves. When you realize that you need some distinct ideas for yourself, that's important. And when you then realize that other people need distinct ideas for themselves, that's important. But instead of holding on to your beliefs and just, you know, crack, you know, holding it firmly, no, 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 no. Open hand. Open hand. A willingness to change. I buy my suits off the rack. I don't have the money to or even the desire to have one personally tailored and made for me from scratch. No desire whatsoever. But when I do buy it off the rack, I do ask that they would somehow tailor it to fit my body. And there is a big difference once you, that suit has been conformed to my particular body style. However, my body keeps changing on me. Uh, my body shape continues to morph as I age. And that suit that was once fits so perfectly, um, it gets a little tighter, gets a little snug. So I take it back in and I try to get it uh, readjusted, let some of the hem out. But you know, they only can let out so much and then you realize you gotta replace it. One size doesn't fit all because we're always changing. The same thing is true when it comes to Christianity and all religions. We are morphing. We are evolving. If we can understand that, if we can appreciate that, I dare say that the quality of our life will go up and the quality of the life in our society as a whole will go up also. I invite you to ponder these things now as you listen to this next song by Brett.
Thank you, Brett. That that guy's good. Right? Uh, I mean, really good. Thank you. That, that was, was really nice. Yeah. And I was thinking a little bit more about what you had to say about Christianity, one size fitting all, okay. and diversity, and I really like it, especially because I was thinking that um, just like Jesus' death transcended Jew and Gentile, so should Christianity be as diverse and welcoming. And so I had a question that kind of popped up as I was thinking about what you said. I tend to be big picture things. Okay. And that's probably because I'm a Lutheran at heart. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> so. There's there's the diversity. <laughs> right? And for many of us Christians, especially ones that are looking um, more, I learned a big term, es eschatological. Eschatological. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Congratulations. <laughs> you win the Snickers today. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> and this is talking about the final destiny of the soul. Yes. And you know, how good would it be to know what happens after you die? Correct. So big picturing it. Yeah. Um, I would like to know how is it that we can connect the story of our lives to this larger narrative of God? Like what can you help us in our daily lives and in our work, mm. how can we be more suffused with the divine? If I look at, I think one of the ways that we can become more connected with the divine is by allowing more diversity. Okay. Um, I we Like I mentioned earlier, we have two daughters and now mm -hmm. we have, um, I need to stop and count, five grandchildren. <laughs> All of them are unique. Yes. I mean, I, I don't understand. I mean, I look at my two daughters, and they are many ways alike, but many, many ways different from each other. Yeah. But yet they came from the same parents. Right. So there's this diversity of expression. And it's amazing because there's times when I see them and I'm going, where in the world did they get that trait from? <laughs> and then I do the same thing with my grandkids. Okay. And I think when if we, if we want to see God more than just a theistic God. Mm -hmm. But if we see God in a broader sense, then I think we realize that that diversity that we see in life, not only in human beings, but in all expressions of life in our earth, from trees to animals, okay. plants, the, the sea, the heavens, when you look at it in that way, then when you value that diversity, then I think your your idea of God just kind of goes, blows up. Yeah. Because you all of a sudden see God as being diverse. Right. And to me, that enhances how we live our lives tremendously. Instead of seeing, you know, these left and rights, instead we see people as expressions of whatever God is. Mm -hmm. We see the expressions of that, and then we begin to value it. So that's how I see this tying into the greater idea of God and how it makes us better human beings. Okay. But tolerance. No, Everybody no, no, no. Everybody wants to no. be right. No, no, no. And their God is the only way. I, I, I think the word tolerant is, is limited. How? It, there's a difference between tolerating someone and appreciating them. Mm, true. Very true. I mean, I tolerate you all the time. 
Oh, there you go. I so appreciate you. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I, 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 how many times have I told you that I appreciate you? Many. Right. Yes. So, so I know. So when the, and and even though you at times truly probably have to tolerate me, never. <laughs> um, I think there's this <laughs> mutual sense of appreciation, and I'm. I, that doesn't mean that I have to agree with everyone. That doesn't mean I agree with you. It doesn't mean, for sure, I don't ag always agree with my wife. But I can True. still appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we have to understand as human beings. And then this idea, though, of seeing God as being this uniform, everything has to be the same, everyone has to believe the same, mm -hmm. and this cookie-cutter God, you know, doom, 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 down the factory line, Yeah, you lose this idea of appreciating how people can see things differently. Like, for example, I, I have no idea what Brit believes. Okay. But I appreciate him as a, not only a human being, but I also appreciate him because of his ability to come in and, and help us. Yeah. And so that's where, to me, there's a difference between tolerance and appreciation. Okay. But I am a truth seeker. Okay. I want to know what is the truth. Mm-hmm. Well, then you're sitting in the wrong room. I am. Yes, you are. Okay, why? Well, I, I mean, we maybe should start with philosophy, right? Start in philosophy oh class boy. and that whole Here question of what is truth. <laughs> you know, I got a C in philosophy in Did college. You? Yeah. <laughs> is it obvious? I didn't even take <laughs> philosophy in college. What? <laughs> so, I, you know, I was called once into, I used to be a professor at a, at a college, and I was called in one t once to the president's office <laughs> to get my hand slapped. <laughs> really? Yeah, he said, um, he said to me, he said, did you say in your class that the, the Holy Spirit doesn't lead all people into truth? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yes. Oh. But I said, you have to understand the context of what is truth. Okay. If we take truth as a sense of propositional beliefs, uh -huh. and the idea then that somehow this spirit or God is going to make everyone believe the same, mm -hmm. that, that creates a lot of problems for me. Okay. Why? Explain. Well, because if I use my mind to the best of my ability and I come up with the wrong answer, mm -hmm. I mean, that's like getting the ultimate F on your test. <laughs> Okay, right? right? You get an F, and, and you, I mean, I would go back and, I mean, I used to always have students complain and want to, me to, to give them credit for a partial answer. I'd go to God and say, wait a minute, if you'd made this more clear, I'd have believed it, right? <laughs> but, but God, apparently that doesn't work. So instead, no. I go back to what Jesus was saying when okay. Jesus says, I am the truth. Now, you can understand that narrowly, meaning just Jesus. Mm -hmm. Or you can expand that, and that truth is something that is encapsulated in a variety of forms and expressions. True. And Jesus was sharing his expression of truth. Mm -hmm. So, again, I, I think it all depends upon how you want to understand truth. Okay. We have a question that yes. has come in. Yes. Um, this one is a little bit more about um, rituals. Oh, so <laughs> rituals. 
Brush your question, teeth. The doctor, no. the dentist say brush your teeth every morning. That's a ritual. <laughs> Stop. This is how can we rediscover Christianity through the loss of old rituals and the creation of others, such as what happened in the Reformation? Mm, that's a great question. Right. Wow. That, that's the balance between tradition and, uh, and looking forward. And again, I go back to our founding minister here at Church of the Beatitudes. He kept saying, when every time you look back, mm -hmm. you find those in the past looking forward. And so if I go with that, I think we have to honor the rituals of yeah. the past. However, at what point do those rituals and where they were grounded in and where they came out of Mm -hmm. are no longer applicable in the 21st century. Right. So what does it that's, mean to that's honor hard. them? <clears throat> I, you know, there are some people that would say that one way of honoring them is just give them new meaning. Yeah. So you still do the ritual, but you give new meaning to it. Okay. Such as what? Communion? Communion or the Eucharist. Yeah. On the other side, there are individuals who say that the, the ritual itself is so intertwined with the meaning that gave birth to it mm -hmm. that so you can't that you, yeah and you can't separate them yeah and so what they argue is maybe we need to create new rituals for the 21st century not abolishing the old ones mm -hmm. but supplementing them with new, new rituals ones. that would be nice so they would slowly begin to and again that would go back to this idea of allowing for diversity, diversity. and curiosity. Yeah. yeah. And how then, so for example, like a, the baptism of a child. Mm -hmm. What happens if a couple doesn't want their child baptized because they don't believe that it in any way is a salvific um, act or in any way right. a sacrament? So does that mean they can't have their child anything? No. So what if you offered a new rite, a, a naming rite or something that yeah. would... Yeah, so I, I think that's where nice. the curiosity and the diversity, diversity comes in. And then I think it goes back to, to this point made earlier. Then if you don't like that idea, ask yourself why. Why is, do I find it offensive that we would get rid of this or do something different along with that? Mm -hmm. Those are the kind of questions that really take introspection for us to say, when I see something different and it makes me uncomfortable, Instead of immediately pointing the finger, yeah, you know, instead look inside and go, okay, what, why, why, what is this triggering in me? Yeah, very good. So, if anyone has a comment or a question, I want to repeat the number. It's four eight zero three eight nine forty nine seventy four, and you can text that to me, and I will have my screen here, and I'm happy to get that out here, and we can answer it live. Also on YouTube, you can do that as well. I have another question. Okay. Um, this one is a little bit different in that um, it's focused solely on Jesus. Do you think there is still enthusiasm for Jesus and his ministry today? And if so, do you think that it is only one-sided? Hmm. It's kind of loaded. Yeah. You know, one, one individual I read was talking about the Nicene Creed. And they said, mm -hmm. when you read the Nicene Creed, it says a lot about Jesus and when he was born. Okay. And what that was like. 
And it says a lot about what happened to Jesus after he died. Yeah. But it doesn't say much about his life. Yeah. So if so if I was to daily yeah life. So if I w if I belong to a church and, and there are people that do and it's very meaningful for them is to repeat the Nicene Creed. I think it, the only challenge is, is it misses out on something. And where, for me, the excitement about Jesus is how he lived his life. Yeah. And how these people that, you know, decades later, when they sit down and wrote about it, what they remembered, and in my opinion, sometimes made up to capture this tradition that was handed to them and, and being able to express these these ideas about who Jesus was through the lens of decades later, that, to me, is when Jesus becomes exciting. Well, what's the purpose of creeds anyway? I don't know. Uniformity. So just standing around saying the same thing week after week. Hey, when you go to a football game, mm -hmm. right? There are some teams, there are some yeah, stadiums. Yeah, Super Bowl. Yeah, okay. yeah right, right. Anyway. There, there, are some, there are some stadiums where... If you're not wearing the right jer jersey, you're mm -hmm. putting your life on the line. I mean, there are some <laughs> very, very fervent fans. And so, to, so for everyone to get together and cheer for their team and boo at the other team, I mean, there's nothing more exciting than, I mean, look at it. You mentioned Super Bowl. You know, yes. you, Tom Brady or uh, Mahomes, who's it going to be? 20 years difference between the two. Mahomes. Mahomes, okay. <laughs> so, Just saying. But... But what you get there, what you get is this sense of let's all be on the same page. Okay. And there is excitement, the fan base. But I'll be honest with you. Saying those creeds in yes. church every week was boring. And I did not, it did not instill any enthusiasm in me. Yeah. And I think it was just it, ritualistic. Yeah. And, and at times it can be. But at also at times... So we've lost the meaning of it. Yes, but at times you can also reflect back. I, I just recently spoke to someone who talked about... Um, who talked about Christmas carols. Oh, what, what about them? He says he loved to listen and go to Christmas Eve services to hear the Christmas carols because they had an emotional... They evoked a certain emotional response within them. Yeah. And I think that's sometimes what happens with the creeds is it does it may not intellectually mean anything anymore but no. there's still this emotional connection that takes place and i think that's one of the uh, the exciting things i mean i i look at what happened on january 6. Yeah. you get a thousand people together and their goal is to storm the capitol yeah oh i mean you watch the video there that was mob mentality there's this passion this excitement right. about being a part of something right you know we're going to storm the capitol i mean that's and I think that same thing can happen in Christianity, is mm -hmm. there's this excitement of knowing that you belong to something bigger than just you. Yeah. Nice. Yes. And that gives you, though, a false sense of security. And then you begin to look at those outside of your spectrum. Well, that's when fear kicks in. Exactly. Because we're afraid of the unknown. Right. So, I, I, you know, yeah. So what if we just paused right now? went to uh to back to bread and perhaps those that didn't have a chance yet to to send in a question we could come back and answer a few of those if not yeah um we'll kind of bring this thing to a close so sounds good brit uh we're gonna go back to you sure thank you <laughs>
I know you don't have a mic on you, but <laughs> so I'm going to pull a ear off. So I, <laughs> I'm going to pull an ear off. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> how, how long have you been playing? Um, 25, 30 years. 25, 30 years. Man, you got a gift. You really have a gift. Thank you so much. Um, any other questions, comments? Otherwise, we're going to kind of wrap this up. Yeah, let's wrap it up. All right. Well, Janelle, thank you. You're welcome. I want to, can I interject a little uh, PR here? Yeah, please. Kind of, that's my job. Yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> I want to encourage everyone who is tuned in to also watch our uh, pre-recorded service today, if they haven't had a chance, and talk about diversity. The music alone, we have handbells this week. Yeah, yeah, it's I saw that. absolutely beautiful, and yeah. Barb Ross and uh, Linda Wright did an awesome job. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we're all about diversity here. I the agree. Attitudes. Especially, that's where, again, I think music is so powerful. Um, the way that, I mean, I look at Brett over here just with his guitar and how many different sounds and expressions of emotions mm -hmm. he can evoke just from that one instrument. It's pretty powerful to me. Um, for those of you who are listening to this, if you have any questions or comments, if you listen to this at a later day on our um, podcast, I would encourage you to send uh, your questions or comments to media at beatitudeschurch.org, mm -hmm. and we will re get back to you. We will respond to those. Uh, you will also be able to find the email in our show notes at the very bottom of your screen where you listen to. If you enjoyed this worship service, we encourage you to share it with a friend. Um, you can go to your whatever platform you're listening to your podcast and, and you can like it. 
-hmm. and that is a, goes a long way in promoting the ideas that are expressed here. And again, a huge thank you for the, the Church of the Beatitudes and its members who are committed to sharing this information because that church is truly about making love real and appreciating and valuing diversity in all its wide varieties of expressions. I just saw on uh, my iPad popped up and um, things continue to develop when it comes around COVID. And so this is not the time to, to give in to COVID fatigue. We continue to have yeah. to be safe. And so we would encourage you that one of the greatest ways that you can make love real is by keeping yourself safe. And by doing that, you will help others be safe. And so please take this week, make love real for yourself, for others, and for the our earth.